1: Well, hello, everyone. This is Reggie Hammond. Welcome to the Finding Your Forte podcast on Up to Me Productions. We are super excited to be back with you after a hiatus. And I have quite the exciting guest for you today. But before getting in, I just want to thank you on behalf of your crescendo, um, for your patience in uh, continuing to Tune into the episodes of the Finding Your Forte podcast. We've been really excited to take a look back over the couple of seasons that we've been around and we're excited about the enthusiasm our listeners have for the show and we have taken that into, uh, there's just excitement for setting up A whole new series of guests that we think you're going to be really excited about, starting with um, our guest today. So I'm really excited to introduce you uh, to a new friend I just met through... Um, coaching in the, uh, Emory Guzetta, uh, leadership coaching fellows program. Um, and I had an opportunity to hear him, uh, have a really powerful and compelling, uh, keynote to the leadership coaching fellows. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you to Chris Peck. And he is most recently just retired um, as a key HR leader uh, from UPS, from United Parcel Service. So, Chris, thank you for co- joining us and welcome to the show.
2: Sure. My pleasure to be here, Reggie.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I was joking, Chris, just before the show, he and I had a conversation to prepare for this one last week. And, uh, it was such an exciting conversation. I wish we, I just recorded it and played it back for you today. So it's, it's kind of, a, one of those situations where we're, we're going to share some of the things that we talked about previously and, um, and expand on them a bit I think in a way that I think will be really helpful For our listeners um, As you If you've tuned into the show before You know that we really like Bringing insights around Purpose uh In the talent and career space, you know, from people that I consider to be kind of at the pinnacle of their career. Um, They're at a place where they've kind of been there, done that. They've got, they've, you know, gathered quite a bit of wisdom. Um, and they have some really helpful insights. They may even have some lessons learned. Um, and they are free and open. Uh, to be candid and share those with you, and that I, for that reason, I'm really excited about this conversation today. So, uh, Chris, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a, a little bit of an introduction to yourself, and you know, take us through. And we got all day, so take as long as you oh, like. Sure. Take us through the uh, trajectory of your career, and then maybe even share with us, you know, kind of where you are currently.
2: Sure, sure. So. Um so my pleasure and I guess that to start, you, you sort of gave the introduction there as well. I, I just recently retired here uh, from UPS after a 34 year uh, career. Wow, uh, with them too, which was, uh, which was just simply uh, such a blessing and it's been just a great, a great career over that period of time. But originally from New Jersey, okay uh, and really started my career with UPS in New Jersey uh, in, a, in a fairly traditional manner, which is I was hired during college, uh, was a full-time college student and very much needed a part-time job that worked with my college schedule and allowed okay. me to, to go to school during the day. Okay. So I started a midnight shift loading trucks uh, You know, while I was an aspiring college student. And what was particularly attractive about that work was first of all, it was very physical, was very fast-paced, um, and it worked with my school hours. Uh, the pay was very competitive. And it also came with full healthcare coverage. Wow. Uh, which wow. very few part time positions uh, came with healthcare coverage at that time and still do today, right. uh, as a matter right. of fact, too. So for me, it was a very complimentary uh, way in a very, very entry level right. job right. at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I never thought I was going to stay with a company. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I was interesting. a degree in economics and statistics okay. at Rutgers University. Okay. Um, but uh, I did have the opportunity uh, to grow within the company.
1: Yeah. So, now I've often heard that um, UPS has pretty strong requirements, particularly to you know kind of take your career forward into the leadership. Ranks that you have an experience similar to the where you're on the front lines Mm of uh, the packing and shipping, you know, kind of side of the part, you know, kind of the front line of the business. Is that is that accurate?
2: Yeah, certainly. We have a very strong culture of promotion from within. Okay. What I would say too is is UPS is one of the few American dream companies Mm -hmm. that's still out there. Okay. Wherein you can start as I did, you know, in a frankly lower class. Uh, family neighborhood. Uh, I was raised by a single parent mother who didn't graduate high school herself, uh, and on government assistance. Uh, so it was from that that I was able to springboard with a company that valued hard work, self development, uh, and results, of course, as well too, to advance from that that very entry level position to still get some management experience, part time management experience. While in my last years of university, such that by the time I did graduate, uh, with my degree I was well positioned at that stage to uh, become part of the full-time management team, but only after a stint as a delivery driver, which was actually uh, still quite common yeah we, we saw that as sort of the core of what we do and we wanted all of our management folks to have that experience as a driver. Uh, so and again I look back on those uh, that period of time and it was it was instrumental in my career to right. have that strong operations background and understanding of what we did as a uh, as a company okay okay
1: so as we're following your timeline along Mm -hmm. came out of Rutgers had this experience how long were you in uh, this you know what I call this frontline um, yeah um, it roll from a, from a sure. So I went from
2: a from a delivery driver to then becoming an operations supervisor okay. okay. uh, in a couple of different operations uh, within the company. Um, and interestingly, after a period of time uh, in operations, um, I, I was given the chance to come into human resources. And frankly, at the time I was a bit dumbfounded. I'm thinking, mm. wait a minute, how does HR? fit into my career profile and background when I was really tracking to be an operations manager at that stage. Um, And sure enough, my my division manager at the time said, no, no, Chris, we very much see you as a candidate for more responsibility, but we Mm -hmm. don't want you to just have that operations experience, uh, which is something you know and do well, but instead want you to understand, as a general leader, how do you leverage and work with the staff? Right, and all of the right. different staff functions that support the front line of the business right So made perfect sense okay. uh, many companies when you're looking for an HR or finance and accounting professional, they'll just hire directly into those positions right, right. Uh, UPS is a company and it's why in no small part I stayed there for as long as I did, is a company that develops their talent internally. Uh, for uh, most of those roles that gave me that chance to learn and understand human resources. I think that's really powerful. So, Kim, if you don't
1: mind, let's bookmark your mm-hmm. story there for a second and sure. explore that some more. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting insight that I would love to have you share your perspective with regard to this. You know, When organizations, when they're developing their highest potential leaders, um, it's often held that... You know there are roles, you know operations roles, maybe finance roles, mm-hmm. that feel like the lanes of discipline for your career trajectory that are in many organizations much more highly valued, mm-hmm. much more coveted, mm-hmm. um, and what that in some way implies is that um, some of your some of your support functions, you know, get. Maybe I don't know if you, mm-hmm. you can confirm this or mm-hmm. not, maybe sometimes you know uh secondary or you know not quite your high performers, and I'm always interested mm-hmm. to see in this space now, just I'm connecting this to my own dots, mm-hmm. you know where I've gone through um a career in the consulting space and then landed in this coaching space mm-hmm. where I now have a heightened appreciation for what talent development means to an organization and how that drives business performance. And it just goes in the face of what you commonly have known as, you know, HR executives Mm -hmm. kind of feeling like the second or third tier of important functions within a business. You know, I don't know, explore that a bit and let me know your perspectives there. Sure.
2: I mean, I would tell you that, I mean, nowadays, as competitive... As dynamic as business is today, right? You can't have an effective business that doesn't have strong uh, talent in all of these different roles. So, Mm and I don't want to—I don't want to sound make that sound like too much of a generalization. So it's certainly right. right? So your your frontline operations in whatever business, whatever operations means to you, that could be software development, right as well. But if you're salespeople, you're marketing your finance and accounting resources, right, your human resources groups as well, Uh, your engineering, right, your IT, all of those have to, you know, step up today, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. compared to where that functional discipline was three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, right, it's difficult to compare what's the value to my business of this this finance and accounting person or tax specialist, right? Uh to a salesperson or to a marketing, right? Um, so all of them have a role to play. Okay. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh of course I'm a bit biased with a strong HR background that that, that, so. that mm-hmm. talent, which transcends any one function, right, today, is so critical, especially these days now where we're cycling through very low unemployment. Uh, a lot of baby boomers that are aging out right. or retiring, uh, going through those phases now too, where uh, the demand for talent and, and really qualified talent these days is as high as it's been in, in quite some time. Certainly since uh, at least prior to the recession. Mm. So all of those factors that are coming together uh, just means that um, you know each one of those functional disciplines, very important, very critical. How should an individual today in a company look to say, "Hey, how do I make sure I'm the best, uh, uh, most educated, most up to date within my profession that I can be, mm. while at the same time being open to some other opportunities that may come up to help better round out someone." So, right, right, you know that the, what I just described, of course, today, 2018, much different than when I first had that ro- mm. you know first rotation yeah. into HR some 30 years mm. ago. Uh, as well. I think the, the, the model still fits, though, that opportunity to develop and grow talent within an organization, uh, while at the same time recognizing you do need outside perspective, right. you do need right. to have that diversity of thought that outside talent does bring in. Got so it. trying to strike that right balance, uh, I think, is, is something every organization is probably faced with.
1: You acknowledge, I appreciate that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, You acknowledge that in some ways it's different now than it was kind of as you were coming through. In what ways would you say it's different?
2: Well, so, I mean, again, I I spent 34 years at UPS. So if I looked at the 80s, right, um, you know, still coming into the organization, I'm almost embarrassed to say we had no computers. I mean, there were Mm -hmm. no computers. Uh, I think we technologically or engineering folks, uh, there might have been one in an entire office. Everything else was paper-based. All of our delivery records, when we delivered packages, were on paper okay. that I would actually take with a pen and hand write out all the, all the information on there uh, to get delivered. So you take a look at that period of time, uh, we probably were, were, were less than one-fourth, probably one-fifth of the size that we are today. We were largely a domestic carrier mm. at that stage, and again, I'm just speaking about UPS. Mm-hmm. But you can apply this to any company in any right. industry that's right. been around at least that long, right. right? Most companies were domestic. The business model was much uh, simpler, frankly. Uh, the features of service that we provided were not as robust as they are today. Technology, without a question, has really been the, the, right. the, the single piece of this that has transformed, you know, the business, the way we're managing. Certainly now. Operating in over 200 countries, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to spend about eight years of my career overseas as well too. Wow! Uh, we only, you know, that's only been about 40 years, a little bit more than 40 years now that we've been operating outside the U.S. too. Okay. So, I would say all of those things, uh, if you take a look at it from a commercial perspective perspective, um, and then of course the competitive landscape, right, yes. right has yes. also grown to where these days, you know, you have competitors in unlikely um, areas right. that I think are, are threatening and challenging um, every business, every business model um, to cause some of that concern to make sure you are constantly um, staying competitive and staying abreast of technologies that could potentially be huge opportunities yeah. for your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're not staying on top of those, can be huge risks to you.
1: That's outstanding. Talk, talk a little bit about how the value proposition for people in HR and talent has changed. Like what value lovers are more sensitive now maybe than before? Mm. You know, when you think about, um, just the entry point of winning the war for talent from a talent acquisition perspective mm-hmm. to developing uh, and growing your best leaders and the value that comes from that. And even the investment, we had a little bit of a conversation mm-hmm. around, you know, the likelihood of investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, any changes in the workforce, if you think about it, I mean, I think about the P&L um, and the prominence of labor. Um, and, you know, and pay, you know, payroll costs um, as, as a part of the major costs. I, I'm especially sensitive to and attuned to how HR leaders can impact those value levers and, and in what ways. How have, you, how have you seen that evolve? Sure.
2: Uh, there's a lot there, right, as well, too. If you take a look at a, at a and again, I'm, I'll speak about UPS or the transportation industry in general very human capital intensive absolutely still the movement of goods and logistics you know around the globe requires people to handle those materials to move those packages to pick pack store uh, transport deliver ultimately in the end so you know UPS uh, probably steady state uh, has about 470,000 employees globally this time of year we'll grow that by another 100,000 so massive you know, human capital considerations uh, for, for companies uh, you know, like, like us or whether it's retail, it doesn't really matter uh, on that side of it too. So I think the value proposition, going back to your point, is how do companies today create and articulate a compelling value proposition for their employees or, or really candidates, right, uh, that are going to attract them and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to work for this retailer versus that one, mm. or this logistics company you know, versus another one, or this software development company, uh, once again, versus many, many competitors. Especially today with record unemployment now, mm. significant job growth uh, as well, too. You put all of those together, pay is only one factor, is one component of that. And certainly pay needs to be... Uh, it needs to meet minimum requirements for right. someone to be able to, right. to live on, too. But then the whole host of other, uh, some financial benefits, whether that's with 401ks, uh, healthcare coverage plans, education assistance programs, different things like that that are going to be financial in nature. But there are a number of non financial attributes of a value proposition right now that I think companies need to be mindful of. Okay. Uh, number one is, what's the reputation of my company? Mm-hmm. Do, I have a, do I have a good reputation within my industry and or within my geography, depending upon how localized that is? So what's that reputation? Are there some awards that the company's received? Are there citations that the company has perhaps received as well, too? Uh, are they the subject of litigation? I think we've just recently seen in the news the Google... Uh, walkout right of last week. Based on I hadn't some, heard of this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so Google's <laughs> Google's employees uh, really across the country did a walkout last week to protest um, some sexual harassment issues within the company. Wow. And how they were managed, most notably with a very significant yeah. severance of of tens of millions of dollars for a former senior executive. Um, that have been accused of sexual harassment so so all of those things again that, yeah. that no doubt tarnishes absolutely a great company an employee
1: brand I've right. got a nephew yeah. I think
2: that I was meeting with last absolutely. week well, right. over here right. Right? That same thing as we take a look at some of those right. so, and company. then that
1: comes like, Nike just had a similar experience probably like six months ago right yes so, you're right you know, there's definitely a heightened accountability for treatment of you know kind of uh, associates in, in some of these yeah. you know crowd jewel organizations that's getting a Tension in the workforce space.
2: There's no doubt, and and it becomes more. It spreads very very quickly now. Too information is not uh, contained within legal groups or human resources groups right. today. Typically, right. employees now through social networks are disseminating that information. Uh, in many cases, before the companies even come out with announcements. Uh, yes. So yeah. you have those type of risk areas. The Equifax, you know, challenges of late right. as well mm-hmm. too with some of those data breaches so the reputation piece is certainly part of that uh-huh. then you have to take a look again another dimension of that value proposition who am i working with what kind of people am i working with is it a collegial atmosphere is it a partnership type of a climate or is it you know more competitive cutthroat some organizations would say "Where in order for me to advance or get ahead somebody's got to leave the organization or i've got to, you know uh, have a much more aggressive approach, too. And, and there's no right or wrong answer to this, right, by the right. way. This is a matter of what's your mm-hmm. preference. Is there advancement opportunity within the organization? Or are they going to, in fact, bring in outside talent to mm-hmm. come in mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fill vacancies if they need a salesperson or an HR person back in my okay. in my time frame as okay. well, too? Uh, so those are some attributes, too. Career development opportunities, relocation, mobility. All of these things together, I think, if, if companies aren't looking at those, individuals are so to, so to the degree that that your your prospective employees are going to be out there and ultimately taking a look at all of those by the way I failed to mention community involvement eh? volunteer opportunities right. right where is there an opportunity for me to engage in in organizations that I'm passionate about that uh, the company is also supporting perhaps through their foundations all of those things together, you hit an equal sign to, not that it's formulaic, but that's what an employee says, you know what? I'd like to work for that company, and furthermore, I'd like to stay and grow within that organization. Mm. Mm.
1: Thank you so much for obliging that kind of pause on the timeline. I'm eager to get back to your story. Mm. Um, so I think we got to the point where you then started to career path through uh, HR leadership. Talk about like how that you know evolved over the to the years and kind of where you left that towards the end of your career.
2: Sure. Well, that initial rotation into human resources was designed to be one year. Okay. Really as a rotation, a sort of rounding out, breadthening of perspective, uh, and then coming back and being, in fact, promoted to be an operations manager, which is exactly what happened. Okay. Uh, After a couple years in operations management, though, uh, I had a division manager at the time that uh, she came to see me and said, hey, Chris, human resources has expressed a desire in you to rejoin HR or you could stay in operations uh, because you're a candidate in both areas. Okay. And which would you be most, you know, basically, what do you want to do? Okay. And I said, so
1: just know that yeah. I am now going to put a microscope on mm-hmm. your decision mm-hmm. and how you thought this through because mm-hmm. I, I imagine many listeners come to these kinds of forks in the road. Yes. And I think many people struggle with having their own uh, set of values and priorities Mm -hmm. and criteria to evaluate, to make sound decisions outside of, you know, kind of what feels good when these opportunities. So share with us how you thought this through.
2: Sure. It's a great, it's a great question because you're right. So many times as people go through their careers, right? With a lot of left turns, right turns, -turns, U-turns, right? As well too, you ask yourself, what should I do? What's the right decision? What should inform that decision? Oftentimes, people look at pay right. and you know and benefits or hours of work and so on, right? Um, in this conversation, as I as I went through it, my my division manager again at the time gave me very wise counsel, and she said, "Chris, because she sensed I was a little uncertain, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and i was probably in my mid 20s at the time as well too oh, wow. so i was still okay. quite young yeah. so she said chris you know we need good hr leaders at ups and we need good operations leaders right so in other words the demand is there for both right what you need to ask yourself is which one gets you more excited to get up in the morning how about that and i said and i said great question to ask and it made the decision much much easier and i said in that case i'd like to pursue Human resources.
1: So, say more about this thing about HR that made you more excited to get this is This is the passions conversation that every yeah, client that goes to that. through Forte talks about. So, of course, I want to illuminate this a bit more. Sure.
2: I mean, I, I think at the time, based on my experience, and again, had been fairly junior right. in human resources, right. but uh, prior to that assignment, I really did not understand what it is HR did. I knew mm. they hired people. Right. It's pretty much all I knew. Right. right? Okay. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, very limited. There were again no intranet, no websites, no anything at that stage. Right. So I knew that I'd interacted with an HR person when I was hired within the organization, um, but I didn't have an understanding of the breadth of what HR did okay. from a employee life cycle perspective. Not just at that front end of recruitment, sort of onboarding, right? But but employee engagement as well to end health and safety and wellness, mm. right? Training and development and promotion from within uh, the organization as well, too. Um, You know, and, and really holistically seeing that. And I think what was most rewarding from my early time in human resources was getting a clear line of sight on the difference that my work made in the lives of prospective employees, current employees as well, too, in a very tangible way that was very rewarding for me. And I'm not saying it wasn't there in operations because again, it's it's a different right. uh, a different um, part of the business. Just as in you know in our finance and accounting group, right? Some people love the numbers, the analytics behind right. that. that right. What does it take to move this? The beauty of it is there's no shortage of business needs. Absolutely. that an organization has. That's exactly right. And therefore, we also need that diversity of people. That have interests across the. That's pit. exactly right. So That's exactly right. It's not particularly um, uh, trying to sell anyone on one specific career discipline, right? Because there there are needs everywhere, right? And 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 the classic HR challenge is how do I find people that have the, the skills, of course, but then the desires and the passion to work in areas where I also have a business need. It's ding, really ding, that ding, matching ding. that, Absolutely. that we're, you know, we're focused on.
1: Absolutely. So you got me on the edge of my seat now mm-hmm. because you now you're talking purpose, right? Now you're talking, you know, so the impact of your work or the difference that your work makes in the lives of others mm-hmm. is the thing that gets you fired up is to, you know, is to get you excited about going to work. Now, sure. do you feel like um, when you were in the process of making this decision, even subconsciously, um, were you aware of that, um, the, the passion for making that kind of impact with people at the time that drove your decision?
2: Or is that something you've kind of
1: come to later in your career?
2: Well, I think that, um, first of all, I think, I think that one of the, the core universal human traits is people want to make a difference. Right. People want to make a difference. Right. Exactly. So it's it's it transcends race, gender, absolutely, national origin, and age. People want to make a difference, right? People were born on purpose with a purpose. Right. And the challenge is oftentimes there are barriers to them seeing or understanding how their actions, their work, can in fact make a difference. Absolutely. Or in sometimes, hey, they've been told, no, you don't, no, you can't, no, it won't. And as I said, that's maybe built up a barrier there too. So when you can sort of remove some of those barriers or have them, you know, not get in the way and people can access their own greatness and their ability to make a difference, I think that's where that magic comes in. So I think in the case of... Um, you know, my career and seeing those opportunities, it's that same thing. It's, hey, how do I get and identify with work that obviously you have to have a skill and a competency for, right? That's sort of basic, too. But then in this area that just lights you up, Absolutely. gets people fired up and excited to come to work on a Monday morning instead of dreading it. Right. Right? Exactly. Um, and, and and just I would tell you a lot right. of folks that are in that situation of of dreading the work that they're doing. Oftentimes, and, and you'll see this with folks that will change from one job to another, to another, to another. Mm-hmm. And it's a question of, okay, you know, if is it the job? Is it how the job is occurring to me and how I'm, in fact, interpreting things, okay, right, that's there as well, too? Because oftentimes you can switch to a different company, same work. Really, a lot of the change takes place on your side right? in a decision that you ultimately make that says, this is the right company for me, mm-hmm. this is the right job for me this is the right boss for me that all of a sudden has a whole host of things become available to you that wouldn't have otherwise been available right but right. it all does start with a choice and a decision and ultimately that's what i you know took those years ago
1: yeah and that is absolutely fascinating i think is worth you know exploring more now that you have been you know at this this was a decision you were making for yourself mm-hmm. later on you became responsible for An organization that had an infrastructure where these decisions were happening Mm -hmm. across a pool of talent that you needed to motivate and send, keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like for you to explore a bit and connect this micro decisions that people are making or insights that they're having around careers and the challenges or you know, victories that you've had from an engagement perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So as you can see in that one particular instance, Mm -hmm. if you're able to make career decisions with the notion of what lights you up, you know, beyond the skill and competency, assuming that we have those in place, Mm -hmm. uh, but the things that really get you excited or, or the things that you you know, are, e- are eager to get up in the morning and that have the kind of impact and the difference that you want to be able to make. Mm-hmm. And you're able to tap those things into uh like that the I guess the connectedness or the correlation between that and how engaged you are in the workplace, and there's some yeah. obvious and I feel like I'm leading the witness a little bit but yeah, if you can sure. if you can share a bit you know how you see those things connected and maybe even what your macro view of that engagement has looked like you know kind of as your career. Moved on. Sure. That's loaded. I'm sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. as you can. No, it's okay. It's okay as well, too.
2: So, by the way, so moved, I did move back into HR, advancing within HR as a generalist and a specialist uh, across the U.S. So, from New Jersey, went to Bay Area, California for about seven years, uh, Indianapolis for a couple years, Chicago um, for less than a year, Richmond, Virginia, and then uh, had the opportunity to go to Europe. Uh, for eight years. okay So it was in our Europe Middle East and Africa region too. Ah. It's why I, I mentioned and then spent some time in the Middle East that that you know when we're talking about this or in your case this this notion of passion, making a difference, uh, and all of these things, it, 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 it is universal, right? So you know people do at their core have these same innate desires, passions uh, and and many times that they're trying to search for and tap into. Clearly, you know, as you're going through this inquiry, and it really is an inquiry, right? You know, right. sometimes people think, "Wow, well, there's this one perfect job or company that's out there for me, and I need to be on a lifelong search for that one." Okay. Uh, versus, you know, trying some different things on, right? Uh, whether it's a different role, different company, different industry, uh, different type of work. Uh, individual contributor versus a leader or a manager within that space, uh, what I liken this to is trying on a jacket, right? Mm-hmm. You know what? Mm-hmm. It's a jacket, right? I came in here with one, right? right? And, you know, you're going to try some on and some just feel better, right? right? Whether <laughs> it's the fabric, the cut, uh, the fit, um, the pockets, all the different attributes that, that may have. You're just going to, as you go out, you know, out shopping, mm-hmm. you'll say, you know what? I'm going to, Try this one on. You don't worry or lose a lot of sleep if one doesn't fit you. You right, just go. Right. I'm going to take this one off. I'm going to try another one. On. Right. Right. And depending upon how much time I have today, I'm going to keep trying them until I get one that really feels good. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and it's really the same thing. Sometimes we put a lot of heaviness or meaning into. Okay, I'm going to try a new direction with my career. I'm going to I'm going to try another path. And there's a lot more typically behind that in some cases, which can sometimes be disempowering,
0: right? Yes, absolutely. In some cases
2: it can be empowering, but more often than not, people are very apprehensive and they're anxious or stressful about that. And instead, if it doesn't fit, take it off and try another one on Try another and one And then out. once you find that one that does fit in, because clearly if when people do go through that and ultimately... I, I would argue that that I don't know whether you find your passion or you declare your passion. Mm, how's, right? that?
1: how's that? that? Because good.
2: one is rather, sounds serendipitous right, and almost right. like I was hit in the head with my passion today. Right, right. Versus after an inquiry saying, you know what, this is my passion. Right, right. And stepping into that possibility and then, in fact, having some of the things that someone with that passion has and doing some of the things that someone with that passion does, in And then in that case, you know the engagement piece that you you know then we're were, were, you know asking about. You know engagement is really hey, what's that degree of 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 discretionary effort that I'm putting forward in a role or even in an activity, right? That were there no pressure on me, no force, no incentive, no financial nothing, I would be doing this on my own, right? Now that's of course. What everybody would like, to no, yeah, do, right? And you're at yeah. this stage where you say, you know what, the work I'm doing isn't work in the traditional sense, meaning time for money. It's just a natural self-expression of who I am as a person, or who I've said I am as a person, and it's just a natural self-expression of that, right? Uh, and then it just becomes something that's more natural. Uh, that that you know, engagement at that stage, you're not, you're almost not aware of it. You're not aware you're highly engaged. You're just... You're highly engaged. It's almost... You, you become aware when you're not. Right, right. Right. When you are, it's less evident because you're just sort of in the zone. Right. Right. Like, right. like Michael Jordan Yeah. Said. <laughs> just in the zone. You're there. You're, you're not just thinking doing, about right. the moves. You're just doing them. Right.
1: Right. right. That's... Um, there's so much more I want to explore there. Not before we take a brief break. Sure. Um, and to our listeners... Uh, If you will just uh, give us a moment to take a break, and we'll be right back and pick up where Chris just left off.
2: I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So
1: I can throw parties
0: again.
2: (laughs) So I can go to her parties. (laughs) It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change.
0: So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: Okay, everyone, we're back. This is Reggie Hammond, here, your host on the Finding Your Forte podcast. And I'm here with my guest today, Chris Peck, um, recently retired from uh, UPS, and we just had a really enlightening conversation that I really am hopeful to pick up on a specific thing. And Chris isn't aware of this, but I am a huge fan of analogies. Hmm. So I want to follow your jacket analysis hmm. because I think in, I think there's some insights to be able to share. Um, and I really, I, I think some people struggle with the particular side of this. And so, you know, if we can take your your analogy and expand it a bit, you know, so I love the insight that you bring around, you know, don't make it too big of a deal. It's just another jacket. Try on a jacket. If it doesn't work, take it off and find another one. Mm. You know, I would, I would offer that, um, it helps to know your size, you know, your, oh, yeah, sure. your measurements. And it helps to know where you're going to know what kind of jacket you want, right? So you can yeah. be intentional about choosing a type of jacket. So I think that, you know, I, hopefully that, um, attachment to your, uh, your analogy is fine with you, but I really want to sure. get to more. I think people often really struggle with the conversations about changing jackets mm-hmm. um, and, you know, so that we don't get people lost in analogy, maybe we should go back to real <laughs> tangible. but when people are trying to navigate career moves mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you've seen some people do it really well and some people just really stump their toe. Yeah. Um, talk a bit, a bit, a bit more because I would imagine there are listeners um, that, are often working through that. My finding has been, you know, people kind of go through navigating every year or two, they kind of lift their head to kind of look to see where their career is and, to, and to determine whether they need to do something differently. Mm-hmm. And not everyone gets those spots right because you're going to go back in and mm-hmm. be down for another year or two. Yep. And so you want to be, be sure that you've made good decisions. And have been intentional about where you're going mm-hmm. um, and what your sizes are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so talk about what you've seen that works well, what doesn't work well, what you know, advice
2: from you can you mm-hmm. can
1: bring uh, from seeing you know people navigate that.
2: Right, sure. So first of all, folks um, these days aren't staying with companies for thirty four years. Right, right. So recognizing mm-hmm. there is a uh, a change in that. Right. Uh, although I would still tell you that you know companies like ups we still have certainly much much higher than average tenure and it's because of some of those earlier attributes that we were talking about in employee value proposition mm-hmm. that that you know still allow you know tremendous development and job rotations to within the same company notwithstanding that i would just counter to your point every one year or two years people are kind of bringing their heads up mm-hmm. these days that cycle is so much shorter you're right you're because right. you cannot go an hour right? right. Or, or certainly a day right. without having some ping from LinkedIn yes. saying, hey, by the way, here's a yep. whole host of opportunities for you that you Absolutely. haven't even thought about. Right? Absolutely. Just like it does in your, your shopping cart for all these retailer websites, too. You bought this, so, hey, you might also be interested in this. Well, you had this post or you had this experience, so here's this is another one that may be perfect for you, too. Right, so right. So you do have organizations today that are uh, also – you know, taking a, a very large and active role in helping shape and influence what's possible for people, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's not I mean, just what might I think of. Mm-hmm, it's in sure. fact I've got you know several other organizations that are out there trying to determine what would I be a fit for or potential candidate uh, for as well too. It's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll digress for it for a moment here. That's okay, for a company uh, and and I don't mean for this to be an endorsement, we're actually doing a pilot with them right now called Pymetrics. Okay. Uh, and they do neuroscience. So they basically have gamified assessments. Hmm. Uh, and it's a series of games that they would put out. There's twelve games in twenty minutes that assess seventy different attributes. Wow. And in fact will tell you what roles are you a fit for within an organization that they've done some benchmarking with. So whether it's PyMetrics or another company, the fact that the neuroscience exists and the tools today to to best determine what might be potential opportunities for people and potential mm-hmm. fits for mm-hmm. them that they maybe haven't even explored, mm-hmm. and those were some of the hidden surprises you would find. Is oh, I knew about you know this you know A, B, and C. I had no thoughts about D, E, and F. Mm-hmm. And when you combine that with the fact of how many jobs uh, or career fields, I should say, that don't exist today, that our kids are going to be in. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It, it does have you broaden, hey, how should I approach this and be much more open as far as what those opportunities might might be and might look like. Um, so time is much, much shorter now. People people, you know, there's there's also less, you know, these days as we know, there is there is not only no stigma around changing jobs often, it in fact in many cases can be a strength where you're actually accelerating your own development through a series of career changes, you know, geographical changes, industry changes, right, to strengthen your own personal portfolio in ways that either were not possible or not practical maybe half a generation ago, mm. that today that they are. So bringing it back to an analogy, I would liken it to a golf swing, okay. right? Okay. So back to the same thing. You're right. You need the mechanics of golf. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, Here's a club, you've never done anything, have at have it. it have right. You do need some fundamentals. Okay, here's how I, I'm going to hold the club, swing the club. But if you've ever played golf, for those that have, the more focused you are on that swing and how you're tightly holding or not tightly holding the grip, it gets in the way.
0: Mm-hmm. It can get in the mm-hmm, way, mm-hmm, right,
2: mm-hmm. as well. Instead of saying, it's, you know what, I know my mechanics. I know what I'm going to do swing-wise, too, and I'm actually going to focus less on that and more on my outcome and, in fact, have a better chance of hitting that desired target than I would otherwise. So I think people just get sometimes they think through it too much right, and need some help or somebody to bounce something off of. I think get some of that feedback or that coaching around that and then get out there and swing.
1: Oh, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. I uh, I could easily go down that analogy trail with you uh, for a bit. I want to kind of take the conversation to a new place. Um, so thank you so much for sharing a bit more um, intimately about your own career path and how you've navigated, you know, big forks in the road for yourself. Um, one of the things that we talk You know, passionately about in the context of the work that we do with Your Crescendo is um, how to empower organizations to bring purpose to the way that they develop and even acquire talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And really encouraging the conversations that would happen, like the ones that we're discussing for people, to be really intentional about their passions. So Not so much that you're worried about whether you're tapping into them while you're swinging, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But to be aware of them when you decide you're going to go play golf, you know? Right, right, Um, right. And, you know, sub that in with strengths and motivations and leadership gifts and what your brand is Mm -hmm. and any range of things that can be some insights into what your personal superpower is and what village you're going to go conquer or what mm-hmm. city you're going to go conquer uh, with that superpower. So as you think about that and and then put it in the context of, you know, this is really a new conversation for many organizations, the notion of bringing, um, encouraging their people to... Um, Explore the question of purpose and consider it in the way that they navigate their careers and how they perform in the roles that they are in. Um, talk about you know when you think about that talk about what you what you see could be some of the macro effects of that or how you know how companies might view it how workplaces might view it how even industries mm-hmm. might view it what's what's there that's good for them what what's there they might watch out for as you see I kind of load you with a lot of questions and right. <laughs> and let you choose what you want so to go <laughs> at yeah um,
2: so, I mean, I think, I think per, so purpose, at, you know, as we were discussing earlier, too, there's a lot to that, yeah. right? First of all, there's organizational purpose, right? So organizations exist for certain typically, you know, uh, defined objectives or mission statements right. or, you know, stakeholder statements, whatever right. the case may be, right? right? Um, and clearly, and that's, that's right. That's not wrong for them to do, right? Uh, certainly as well, too. But it can miss the individual in that. It's almost like, hey, here's the organization's purpose. Do you fit into this mm. organization purpose? How can you help us fulfill, you know, uh, that purpose that the enterprise has set out to? Um, and I think depending upon the size of your organization, right? Clearly, you know, uh, UPS at one end of the spectrum with you know, half a million employees, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even more partners, vendors, you know, that are that are in the ecosystem, versus a small a smaller business or or, or a, you know, a small um, to medium-sized business as well, too. I think what's key in all of it, regardless Mm -hmm. of size, is how well do I know my people? Mm -hmm. So how well do I know my talent? Um, Because at one stage, you can know your people. Okay, we see them every day. You know, you're in an office here and you're interacting with people. At the same time, you'd be surprised how little, in fact... Most employers do or most managers do um, to really get to know and understand the people. So uh, certainly as you're trying to manage talent across a larger organization or even a medium-sized one too, you'd be surprised how many people just don't know as much about their people as they could know or should know.
1: You have hit on a major uh, bullseye with that one. And it is, you know, as as an executive coach, and I will share with you the sentiments of other executive coaches, mm-hmm. that is one that we profoundly believe uh, that organizations, you know, just by and large don't know their people. And sometimes we sense that we know more about some of their people than you know some of the folks you know that are leading them within organizations, and um, and it's almost as if if some way we can find. I I often kick around this idea of if only you knew, <laughs> mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that would drive a whole different. Series of conversations. For a, a good example is you know, oftentimes companies are poised to throw money at cha- you know talent challenges mm-hmm. when folks aren't even money motivated. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. And then you know because so. Uh, at least for me, whenever I start working with a client, mm-hmm. one of the first things we uh, um, identify are their top priorities mm-hmm. and how important they are. For some people, it's, you know, purpose and impact. Some people, it's tapping into my passion. So what would it look like for a person to be, able, a company, an organization to be able to make the better decisions around that talent that, frankly, don't even, you know, don't require you to use your, you know, kind of treasure chest of, you know, ta- ways to solve talent challenges like sure. raises yeah. and bonuses. Oh, yeah. um, like they, yeah. they can create roles and opportunities, even side projects that they would do for free. One of the beautiful things about yeah, passions right. is that people will do them for free. Do you, yeah. know what I mean? they'll, they'll, you know, and certainly, you know, as a as a business coach, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a sustainable model. Or it's not something you should kind of build it into your role. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many opportunities, I believe, there for companies. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little no, excited. <laughs> no, no, no. You're,
2: you're absolutely right, and I think the way work gets done, so mm-hmm. sort of the future of work and the way work gets done, our yeah. classical models of a well-defined job, job description. Here's my area of responsibility. You have a separate one that's different over here. Right. And we might occasionally pull together a group of people to work collectively on projects. Right. right. To that's all transforming. Right. I mean technology has changed the way people work, how they're working, and now the opportunity to do is what you just said is how do I get people who have a certain you know interest or a passion in an area aligned to a project, right, on a fractional basis, right? To where now there is this richer, more diverse set of things that as an employee you're involved with, right? You may have a core job. But there's some flexibility here, you know, within your job at the same time. I mean, some other companies, of course, famously provide, hey, that day or right. one day a week to go work right. on, on whatever you want to work on or different things like that, too. It can be as unstructured as that or, or, or more structured as well, To Ultimately, I have business needs, right? I mean, to your macro point. Right. I have business needs and objectives that I'm trying to exactly. achieve. Mm-hmm. I have human capital. I have I have talents. I have talented people, Right. But oftentimes, how do I get those, of course, I have to have the business priorities on what I'm going to address, but then how do I identify the right talent to fill those needs is a huge challenge. So when you look at your talent programs or processes, right, the first thing I think that that an organization needs to have, uh, because by the way, a lot of software companies will sell you software. Mm-hmm. They'll come sell you technology solutions. Hey, you know, buy our software, our SaaS solution here, and it's going to take care of your problems. The challenge is, it is uh, no technology solution will take care of your problems if you haven't thought through what are my policies, what are my processes, and define those, and then a the technology simply enables them. Right. So, do right. I want to afford? Do I want to have promotion from within? Do I want to post my job opportunities that I have, either long-term, short-term, special assignment, international, or do I want to have those be, you know, within the company's decision on how they're going to fill those opportunities, Right. right? right? So different things like that. What do I want my education assistance program to be? So for that person that is high potential, but maybe doesn't have the technical skills for a certain uh, you know area of the company, am I willing to make that investment in theirs or student loan repayment programs or whatever the case may be for that as well too. Um, as I mentioned, mobility. Do we want to have a relocation policy? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to relocate people and make that investment in the talent? or no, are we going to use that exceptionally just in very limited circumstances. So there's a whole host of policies with respect to talent. Uh, that you're going to have, policies or practices on that side too. And then what process will enable that, those policies, right? What What is that talent process going to look like? Should that be an annual process? Should my, uh, and it does tie into performance as well, by the way. So what should my performance process look like? Uh, do I want that to be uh, top down? Do I want it to be bottom up? Do I want to have feedback opportunities from peers, which nowadays is, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine it not being that uh, mm. right now as well, too. There's feedback-on-demand technologies that exist that allow you to give that real-time feedback anywhere up and down your, your, your organization as well, too. So all of those things have to be thought of first on the company side, on the organizational side, right? Because ultimately, whatever technology you, you enable those, that talent process with, your employees, right, and employees are expecting a Netflix experience. Mm, right. They want a Netflix <laughs> scroll, you know, Streaming. add this to my list, yeah. take this from my list, right. tell me through an algorithm what is the next best career step for me. I don't wanna I, I don't wanna suboptimize it by, you know, talking to my friends when you may have a model that looks at the last thousand people that have been in my job. Where has their career path? progressed How good and what that? kind of roles are they in now? Yeah, too. yeah. So those technologies are there too, but you really have to give thought to what do I want my process and my policies to look like to then ultimately be enabled by those technologies.
1: That's really powerful. And I can, you know, as you describe that, I can see the future evolving for not only work faces, workplaces, but, you know, for leaders and the, and the things that, will allow them to win, um, you know, in the in, in the talent conversations. Um, and maybe this is another dimension I'd ask you to add, particularly as you consider, you know, kind of the generational evolution of the workplace mm-hmm. and how, you know, I mean, studies have been pretty consistent around, um, you know, the resounding, the one thing that, you know, millennials and the next, you know, Gen Xers, uh, Gen Zers um, agree on is, you know, challenge me with meaningful work or watch me walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost as if we're in a place now where organizations can differentiate them, their employee experience by um, bringing in purpose and being intentional about your career we're going into a realm where it will no longer be discretionary; it mm-hmm. will actually be required in order for you to be able to sustain a workforce. And so, maybe you can weigh in on that. Uh, but I would love to, you know, kind of as you as you think about how the the generation generational effective is, is evolving on what you shared. Is there any additional
2: insights? I mean, that I come think I, I think first of all, I would tell you the millennial differences, right. Um, are overstated, mm. right? I think they're overstated. Yeah. I think we're in the times that we're in with the technology and the different modes of communication and interfacing, right, too, mm-hmm. that a millennial may have only known through their lifetime, right, a, right. sort of a digital native, right. right, versus, you know, someone of of my generation who, you know, had a period of time before that. But right. now that we're all in this generation, hey, trust me, you've, you've got baby boomers and uh, everybody that's on devices right. and learning information and right. want and having the same demands and expectations of companies of uh, you know their, their businesses that they're uh, you know um, interacting with right. and as well as employers. so I think the bar has been raised on all of that just by virtue of the times that we're in. and I think the only uh, and again I'm not, I'm, I don't want to understate I don't want to overstate it right. millennials certainly, those that are digital natives that have only known that right. have nothing right. to compare it to. So therefore, their expectations may be a bit different on that. Um, but, but I mean, you're, you're right. I would still tell you some things like purpose, as we were discussing earlier, transcends age, mm-hmm. transcends any other demographic dimension. Right. It doesn't matter. You still can have a 70-year-old, and 80-year-old wanting to come to work to make a difference. Right. It, right. it may look different than an 18-year-old or a right. 20-year-old. To. Right, but ultimately, there is, you especially see that now with re, you know retirees that are returning to the workforce now, that okay, some of them may need some income, but some of them want that connectedness, absolutely that purpose. That you know what, if it weren't for me being here today, this wouldn't have happened. Right, right. That at its core is that passion of making a difference. Is if it wasn't for me today, if not for me, then this would not have been possible. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely, That's what's going to get people, you know, excited. And again, I think it is, it is intergenerational. I
1: could not agree with you more, could not agree with you more. And I think the thing that I'd like to kind of have you share as a closing thought, if you will, you know, so one of the things I've appreciated about this conversation is that you've been wired around purpose and passions and gifts I can see it in the way that you've navigated career decisions early on, whether or not you called it purpose and passions and gift, right, When you were true. doing it,
2: yeah.
1: um, and now you've had the opportunity to, you know, traverse about a career path that has allowed you to have great, you know, leadership influence and to be able to lead others individually help them grow and navigate their careers um, and help make sure that you uh, drove the human performance part of business performance um, as a part of that. So I would ask you to think about, you know, now as you've kind of come to your, you know, to the pinnacle of your career and you're able to kind of look back, let's say maybe, I don't know, five, 10 years back, Is there anything that now with this heightened awareness around purpose and this, you know, now that you've seen where the hockey puck has gone to, Mm. (laughs) you know, is there anything that you would have done differently, say, five or 10 years ago um, with as... As an opportunity to be an ambassador for purpose, or um, a leader with you know being more intentional mm, around purpose, yeah. is there anything that you can see that you would have done differently?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say from a um, from an organizational perspective, for sure. I think it's I think it is it's it's downplayed, right? Too, and I, I'm, again, I'm speaking for the company that I work for for a period of time too. And this yeah. is this is not a it's not a negative statement about. Uh, about my uh, former employer uh-huh. it's the reality of business business right. is saying hey we're focused on you know achieving the, fine, the these results right and here are our core competencies and here's the markets that we play in and you know the roles that we have so hey prospective employee or employee we need to again have you adapt and fit to this i think what what is available what's a massively untapped Potential within people is to tap into that purpose, and for the companies that do, it's almost what did they say? Was it uh, Richard Branson? You know, uh, the quote about training your employees. You know, what I know if, the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so wish I'm, I could help you out. Though. I'm throwing to blank but You know, what, you know. What, what, Listener, plug what in, what the employee. my yes, in the Richard Branson. Yes, right. What, That's if it. I don't train my employees. I'm sorry, what happens if I train my employees and they leave? And And, okay, well, what's that better than if you don't train your employees and they stay? Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. What's the risk if I have my employees explore and inquire into what their passion is and it doesn't fit within my organization? Right. And I would say, well, the reverse of that is what if you don't and they're not tapped into it or plugged into it and they're staying within your organizations? And they're not as engaged as they otherwise could be. Right. Even within your own organization, it's not as though everyone finds a passion and says, "I got to go somewhere else." Right? right. right. Uh, but I, but I do think that that's a uh, something that other companies. And if I if I look back on it, to really put some work behind that, and there has been some really good work um, in the space uh, on purpose uh, that has uh, come out in recent years, especially too. Yeah. Some companies have taken advantage of it. Others have said. Eh doesn't feel right for right. me Right, not right now we're not right at the time right. too and uh, I think it's just a missed opportunity
1: I agree with you and I think that you know only time and results will tell that mm-hmm. they were the, the companies that leaned forward into it were able to uh, tap into some of the benefits that I feel like are uniquely available for first movers um, mm-hmm. in in the space.
2: I agree, and you know the other thing too is it's just more fun.
1: It's so, people, so much it's, more people fun. People are more excited to come to work, <laughs> right, right. and
2: and again, they're fired up. They're it's not work for them. They're just coming in, and they're just and you've seen it. We've all seen it when people are in the zone, exactly right? and from it, a performance right. perspective, and they're having a good time. They're acknowledging others within their work group as well too. They're right. not just focused on okay, I've got to get ahead, I've got to do this. No, you're just you're just in the zone, comfortable doing what you're doing, right. clear about the difference that it makes, and that I think is also contagious and has other people questioning, go, hmm, what am I missing here? Right? How do I get on board right. for some of that too?
1: Yeah, and so and it, the the reality is, I think that a number of organizations have kind of atrophied a bit or been complacent with, you know, you do have people like that within organizations. But on the other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum, you have people that dread coming to work and it's really just mm-hmm. a paycheck and they can't wait to figure out what's next. And I think it's that side of the equation that companies have largely just accepted as the cost of doing business and they probably put up with it longer than they necessarily have to. I think there's an opportunity to light that whole spectrum sure. on um, on fire with, with, with purpose. And so that's kind of why I do what I sure, do exactly. and why I go to get people like you to come and yep. be a part of this conversation. Sure. Chris, this, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for this conversation. Absolutely. I can't wait to share it with our listeners. And um, for those of you that are continuing to tune into Finding Your Forte, thank you again for this episode. I hope that you find it as enlightening as I have. And uh, until the next time I'm Uh, blessed with the opportunity to come back to you. I encourage you to continue to find your forte, compose your masterpiece, and play your crescendo. Thank you. Have an amazing day.
0: I'm freeing my dreams from deep inside I'm not trying to be something I'm not I'm just trying to you, you what I got Over time you'll see that I may get a little bit weak But it don't mean that I still don't have a dream My life. My, life, my life. Don't wanna rush my lessons, so no. oh, 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 oh. I'm I I embracing my future, learning from my pain. I'm counting. Sky, blue heart. Jump up and kiss the sun. You've already won. Look up and don't so look back. You're on the right track. Wake up and free your dream.